Hello, welcome to the Candid Musings podcast, where I have interesting conversations with amazing guests on various life topics. I believe in the power of conversations to inspire, transform, and enlighten us. And if you are looking for open and honest discussions from unique individuals about their journey, then this is the right podcast for you. Hi, Okuwale. Hi, 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 hi. Hello. Thanks for sitting with me today. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a very, very busy man, so I appreciate you taking some time to to sit with me. Um, like I said, when I reached out to you, mm-hmm. you know, I think that you are one of the most inspirational people that I've, I've met. And every time I sit down, we have a conversation, I always live with some wisdom. So when I decided that I wanted to start a podcast, you know, you were definitely one of the first people that I thought would be good to have a sit down with because I think you have a lot of wisdom to share. Okay, so um, today I have my big cousin, uncle, daddy, <laughs> everything together um, in the person of Mr. Olawale Opayenka. Um, I mean, currently the CEO at Eco Development Company, but yeah, I'll say you're an actuary. Yeah, how is it actuary. An actuary by profession, right? But do you want to sort of give like a brief introduction? Yeah, uh, it's a pleasure to be here at Nikani with you, sitting on the couch. Uh, it feels like an out of body experience, but <laughs> it's all right. Uh, we'll use some. Uh, Niger bravado together and all that. But no, it's seriously, so it's a joy to be here to thank you for pointing to the fact that uh, you, you do believe that I have something that you found useful in the course of your journey. Yeah. And so, uh, and don't we all uh, feel at some point in our lives, at some critical moment, uh, needing and requiring uh, some direction. Yeah. And uh, in my local language, uh, they say, along uh, which is uh, the voice of man is the voice of God. And, and God is not, as much as we know through our time, He's not going to come down and, you know, speak to us. Yeah. But um, it's that happens to people. Yes, it's going to infuse people with that. But going to the background of who I am, I'm just a boy. I try Lagos boy. Uh, well, I, boy. I am an Ibado boy. <laughs> <laughs> I and, and and your roots are important. Yeah. And we might touch on that. Yeah. But um, you know, one of my famous songs is. Um, Sometimes I feel like a motherless child and I'm a long way from, from home. Mm. Um, and we'll touch on, on, on that maybe depending on what direction we go. Yeah. But I grew up uh, in Lagos. Uh, started some formative years in England and, and then Ibadan, on arriving back in Nigeria in 1971. So did a few years in in Ibadan, and that few those few years in Ibadan were actually uh, very important in being rooted in. I don't think my parents intended it, but mm. inadvertently they set us on coming back into England from England into Nigeria. Ibadan was the first place mm. that we went to to leave, and and my first school was was in. Um, in Molete in Bados and Luke's demonstration, a place where, you know, 50 odd years later, I've returned to see many times. Um, and then, you know, came up to to Lagos where my father was able to secure a job as one of the premier chartered quantity surveyors. Uh. Um, and then I, I kind of watched that and uh, schooled in Yaba in Lagos at Lady Lark and then by the time I was 10, I was already uh, working on reviewing um, the product of the work of the quantity of York, which was bill of quantities yeah. and trying to you know, check prices for every little detail of, of a property, you know, measured to quantities and, and pricing them and, 
and making and then satisfying the work of a contractor. So yeah. um, very quickly after that, in the mid seventies, when Nigeria was really in a beautiful place, uh, I remembered um, the then Minister of Finance. Uh, Federal Commissioner of Finance, they were called in those days, Udoji, under the Gowon administration, which ended in 1975. He, he said famously, the problem with Nigeria is not about money, is what we're going to spend money on. Uh. Um, you were not born, I, I, I'd like <laughs> to think, at the time. But um, but then shortly after that, we, we hosted the Festival of Arts and Culture, which was a prominent black festival known globally uh, to celebrate black culture. And, um, and we built First Act, what, is, what was First Act Town, um, and, and, and that was done 19, in two years, wow. uh, where we built avenues, uh, and we'll link that into avenues similar to what you have mm. here today in the yeah. Atlantic. So there's not, yeah, we're doing some great things in the Atlantic, but it, it some part of that has been done before, as way back as the 70s, at the end oh. of his time. We had then a gentleman called Fela Nikola Kukuti, who was ahead of his years, yeah. um, but who then also formed culture. Um, and uh, so, in any case, uh, I then went on to Government College of York, which then was a prominent secondary school, model school. Oh. Um, but um, that said, Nigeria was only 15 years, 16, 17 years old at the time. Yeah. We were still a very young nation. And we'll speak maybe today about yeah. the essence of time. Yeah. Um, but at, at that time, you know, Nigeria was just about 16, 17 years old. We didn't know then that <laughs> that was a great time to be a Nigerian. Yeah, because, <laughs> because just not, not to interrupt you, but what you would expect is as you grow older, I mean, Nigeria was 17 and you described that time as a beautiful time. Mm. You would expect that a lot of that beauty comes up more, you know, or we become more beautiful, basically. But I would say that we didn't live, I mean, I haven't experienced the kind of Nigeria that people like you talk about, that my mom talk, talks about. How do you think that time sort of changed the trajectory of, of, of that? You know, in, in a conversation, there's so much that you can't really cover it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the trajectory didn't change. The trajectory mm. didn't change. Um, as early as 1973-74... What happened? Don't worry, it's fine. The audio is going right. That's it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So as as um, as, um, you know, as early as 1973-74, you know, we, as part of social studies in school, primary school, you know, we we knew of the campaign mm. for family planning. Um, the only trajectory. The only destination we would have arrived is the one we have arrived at today. So the trajectory didn't change. Uh. We actually refused to change the directory, the trajectory, despite uh. many interventions. Some of them well-intended, some not well-intended, but with hindsight, uh, you can make judgments. But hindsight is 2020 vision. Yeah. yeah. But at the time, there were campaigns to say, if you don't arrest your population there are going to be consequences and and one of the key things that has happened for those of us who have been students of history uh. and then had the character and the aptitude to understand time uh. um you know could look back and say you know, in, in 1971 census, Nigeria's population was around 50 million uh. old people. 
at the same time the uk population was about 50 odd million people in 1971 in 2022 the population of the united kingdom is only 67 million nigeria is nigeria's population controlled because it is important nigeria's population controlled is in over 200 million people so the infrastructure that was created in 1970s is still very much the infrastructure that we have today but it's important that we don't quick and rush to point a finger because no economy in the world today could have sustained this kind of growth could have produced the infrastructure at the same rate of growth at which our population grew in real terms no population in the world no even if they knew this is the direction you were going it's impossible yeah so we, we we step away from from that, but then you know then the seventies I went on to 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 secondary school in Government College of York, which then at the high point of then coming to a part where you then have diminishing marginal utility coming from the infrastructure that is already existing, where then those infrastructure were not able to yield and have a capacity to growth, but then the curve became was going down. Uh-huh. Um, that started to occur at just around 1979. We escaped, uh, and we were already in secondary school at that time, and I was just about with two years to go. But by the time I was getting out of secondary school at 1982, the, the annihilation of our education system had already started. And, and we could spend a lot of time on that. But then, so... I, again, as a child of history, was able to then witness that period. Um, and then went on to the University of Lagos to study actuarial science and then went off to England uh, for my professional studies and to acquire the necessary discipline. Then I did 20 years, uh, then came back to Nigeria, just exactly nearly, actually 20 years to the day. I just, I didn't <laughs> even know it, but I left in February 1989 and I came back, I left England February 2009, so just exactly 20 years on. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, you know, located myself around some African countries and then settled back and became the CEO here at uh, Eco Atlantic. So that's, that's yeah. my background in a long way. So, so the background, there are a couple of things that I wanted to, and I'm just trying to figure out which one I should start with first. Right. First is there's this quote that you said about being a motherless, motherless child. I wanted to kind of understand what you meant by that. Uh, that's deep. Yeah. That that's deep. That's uh, you know you you as you go through life, you pick things that really identify with that you feel would help you along your path, mm. and all that at least defines who you are. You just have to stay true to those things, and and I've always felt that my path has been singular, not pl- not plural and not nuclear, uh, just singular, and I found people. As a Christian, somebody who was brought up in the Christian way who then found this way about trying to understand what is it about the faith that comes from Christ and now that helps me to yeah. in the walk of life that I have because to each one of us there is a responsibility um, and that responsibility is divine uh, because life was granted to you by some sovereign being we refer to that sovereign being as God. Then we understood and learned, I learned that God came to this earth to live as man and he came as Christ. But then I felt that he was not, if God is actually as who he is, then there must have been some wisdom um, in why he felt Christ should come. Christ coming, then I felt, pointed me to two directions. One, to give me a hope that there is a life after and that there is a destination, that there is some essence, there is some accountability. At some point, I would have to go and stand before my maker and account for my time. But then what does that mean? Surely it doesn't mean anything about righteousness. That's just crap. 
in my view. Um, because God himself knew that these people that he created have no capacity to be righteous, to on, be their righteous on their own. And Christ proved that point himself, living as man. Mm. And he was God. But what I then found was that actually what he came to do was to say that there are some things I can point you to that can help you in the journey of life. And that there are some talents that you have which you must use. So I, those, that resonated with me to say, what talents do I have that I would then be accountable to? Because at no point did he actually use any parables to say somebody goes to hell for being righteous or unrighteous. Mm. But he does say that he did give a parable of somebody going to hell because they didn't use their talent. So that again resonated with me. But I then figured out that in order to do that, I could either do that in committee or I can do that singular. That committee could be the committee of you and your wife. It could be a committee of you and your brothers, you and your parents. It could be you and just anyone. It could be. But I also then understood as a black person that, you know, this whole definition of a committee which is a group of people that come together to do nothing and then agree that nothing can be done. That scared me. So I knew that's not for me. I had to be singular. I then couldn't blame anyone for my failures. That's important to my own management, what I use in management today. We'll probably touch on that later. So sometimes, I, I, that old song of, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Uh. I'm a long way from home. I'm a long way from home. And, and, and when you sing that, when I, as I do often, uh. um, um, you then ask yourself, where is home? And of course, therefore, home is that final destination point where I, I stand back in front of my maker. Yeah. So I use that to, re to remind myself that I have a duty. Yeah. And that's where that old song resonates. Mm, mm. Just basically, you have a journey and yeah. you, have, you have things you need to fulfill along that journey. Yes. Right. Yeah. As you look into it, yeah. yeah. And then the second part of your background that I wanted to, <laughs> and I think we've talked about this a couple of times, yeah. is your decision to come back to Nigeria. Right. right. After 20 years. Right. Because now a lot of people are doing the opposite. Right. So <laughs> what was it that made you feel like coming to Nigeria was, was a good decision? I'm a black man. Uh, if God wanted me to live in England, he would make sure that I was born in, uh, that I was I came out white, and I, therefore I'll be among my own people. Mm. Uh, so, if he wanted me to, if he knew that um, the, the story that he, he told it, that I was taught was my parents went to England and came back home. So, you always knew that you had to come back home. I, I, the decision was not made in 2009 to come back. The decision to come back was made in 1989 on that flight out mm. of Lagos, uh, where I'd got in my passport myself not by my parents i got in my ticket myself not by my parents i'd made the decision to travel myself not by my parents and um, just like i you know getting into the actual field i, I remember people ask question uh, and it's always good to go back to the origin to say you know how did i even know about actuarial science uh. but I knew from secondary school, you know, you go to primary school and you know you had some aptitude in, in mathematics. And and then I went into secondary school and you want to excel. You know, I, I remember doing a, uh, a race, uh, you know, three kilometers, five kilometers for my yeah. group, age group, it was three kilometers. And, and as I ran into the school compound, you know, Joe, which like I said, became Lasso, my dad was there. I didn't know. I just heard somebody calling my name, Wally, Wally. I saw, I saw it was him. And I increased my pace, you know, and I accelerated to show that, you know, I was, you know, doing him proud. And um, so that whole thing of, I didn't realize in secondary school that I was, I won a prize in mm. statistics. And um, 
but the, the price giving day didn't take place for whatever reason. I think I remembered why because again it was those it was a f- my fourth form. So it was at that time when there was a riot in school. We were all kicked out of you know boarding school, and the system was really really getting to that point that I told you where yeah. you know the the jack on the years, the adjusting years, the unbanjo years. When I honestly believe these guys. Um, with good intention, um, pumped everybody from primary to secondary school, but that was a failure. And that took away a lot of dignity of labor. And that it took away from people learning skills, you know, vocational skills. That took away from people becoming, you know, electricians and, rewire, and rewires and, mm. and uh, people that, you know, parameters and, and, and iron mongers and all that kind of stuff and goldsmith and, and carpentry, which is, Carpentry, I mean, is carpentry today is one of the most rewarded professions because people make furniture. You sit in a beautiful place like this. This was all done by furniture makers. And I lived in those traditional years where somebody that helped you to make your furniture becomes a member of your family through life. You know, so um, the whole essence of... um, those saying, I then knew that I, I was good in, my, in statistics. I then, I went into, I got into the secondary school, university years and, and I went to see the career guy. My parents took me to University of Lagos and then we saw this guy at the Faculty of Business Admin and they directed us there because I wanted to do accounting. But I didn't want to be common. An accountant. I didn't, I didn't, because everybody was then saying accounting, accounting. And I felt it was common. I really did feel that. But I didn't actually understand that I was just a small boy. Now that I have sit back at this age and look back at how tiny I could have been, <laughs> you know, at that time, I, I was 18. Mm. I look at my 19-year-old son and I'm thinking, surely, <laughs> how did I have to? You know, but, but yeah. we, we were in that room and they were saying, okay, your jam scores didn't really get you there, but, but we'll do what we can. As we came out, my dad stepped out first and I followed him. Something inside me made me turn back and not close the door back on me. And I said to the guy, I, don't, I can't remember his name, but I said to him, I, I just want you to know I, was, I got a prize in secondary school in statistics. It's there. Anything. Anything where I can use that. Use that gift that talent that i have he, he then called us back in the room and said oh there is a course sure. called actuarial science and we're the only ones in nigeria that offer it and possibly outside south africa we're the only university where you can do it and but that it's very tough and we have less than eight ten people go into it and not many finish so i joined a class of 16 people hmm. and he said well it's the first year anyway you're going to be doing common things with a lot of people after the first year. If it doesn't work out, then you change. You can change. Well, I didn't change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I found I was good at it. I found it was the most difficult thing. And others I had, you know, years before me and still till now, still rank it as one of the toughest professions yeah. anywhere in the world. Yeah. Ranks as the top five. I think the people they compare to us are brain surgeons and astronauts and you know, so um, it's it's where you need a significant level of intelligent quotient, um, IQ, and, and you need a good nuance of putting values on things that don't have value. Mm. And, and you're putting values on time. Mm. And I use that till today, you know. I think I went home to see your dad's birthday the other day. I told him at 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, no, actually 7 o'clock in the morning, that I would be with them in their house at exactly 5.30 p.m., and, and there you was were there. A, there was a lot of things that was going to happen in between then, but I was there by 5.31. Yeah. That's actually a judgment for you where you can just understand exactly what's going to happen in a period of time and make your judgment. And, and that's a sense how I got to where I am. Today. Mm. But you, you asked the question, yeah. you know, what then in 2009, you know, made me come back when everybody else is going. So, but as I was going in that, 1989, I, I knew that I was only going to go for a few years. Um, 
even though I was a British citizen, I knew that my place was Nigeria. So the decision as I was going were few as I made on that Nigerian Airways flight, one way to London. I said, one, I will not stay in a council flat. Two, I will not get a gyro. And three, I would be back within a very short number of years. So I walked in my consciousness after five years, 1994, I started the process of coming back to Nigeria. By 2001, I had been successful enough to make my first million pounds. And I just said, you know what? I've got a victory over here. So let me now go back mm. to where I'm from. And so I started that process of, of doing work around you know, various African countries with my foundation and trying to encourage a lot more people to become actuaries. So I started giving back. But then one of the things that then was important to that coming back in 2009 was I met a, a guy from my faith, from my church. He came to minister. His name was actually turned out to be Pastor Tunde Bakari. And in, in one and in one of in one of the few teachings that he came to deliver at that church, which he helped to found, but didn't come to it for five years until that time, he made this preached about what have you got to offer, and he made quite jokes about it. What have you got to offer? What you know? And he kept saying that, and that resonated with me quite a great deal. I took that away to say you must have something to offer. Again, you must have talent. You have a gift. And that gift is what makes you who you are. Mm. And, and that gift is what's going to do everything that you need to do in life. And in that gift, you're going to find the peace of God that passes all understanding. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the faith says, you know, a man's gift, a man, woman used in this, you know, uh, a, a, man, a gift makes room for them. So you have, you, there is some things and it would make room for you. Mm. And, and, and it's true because since 2001, I've never applied for a business. I've never applied for a job. Everything that I've done, I've been asked. Everything. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I, will, I will put a clip on that. Mm. But um, one thing I wanted to kind of get you to establish or explain is the the place of roots right you talk mm -hmm. you talk a lot about roots and mm -hmm. how much of i mean when i think about my roots i always think about ibadol mm -hmm. i i don't think i can describe myself as anything else than an ibadol girl right. right and i always feel like that's where i'm happiest that's where mm -hmm. i'm my truest yeah. self yeah how much um or how much of a role do you think our roots play into in our lives and then the second thing that i wanted to ask was about your story on you know eventually studying actual science mm. do you believe in faith would you have said that that was a moment of faith mm. i guess what you mean was faith destiny yes destiny f-a-t uh, 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 literal faith without works is dead mm. Um, so you can have a destination. You can be equipped with everything that you need to get to that destination, but you still have a responsibility to do um, all that you need to, to do work. to get there. But you're not going to get there because you so will it. Then fate in F-A-I-T-H then still plays a role because in the essence of work, you have then work in the physical and then work in the spiritual. Mm. And the physical does not happen without the spiritual. And everything that you see in the physical is first taken care of in the spiritual. It's either you are driving that spiritual or somebody else is driving it. But if you're driving it, that's good. But if you're not, somebody else is driving it spiritually. And what they're driving spiritually is what is occurring to you in the physical. I know that that's complex and deep. <laughs> But nature abhors a vacuum. Mm. So it's either you are directing your life spiritual realm, you have control in the spiritual system. realm, or somebody has control of your life in the spiritual realm. But believe me, somebody has control. Nature abhors a vacuum. It's just a rule of God. Mm. And so the faith then means that I then, the faith, the, in the really Christian faith, played a great role in safeguarding and ensuring that. I have a better chance of achieving everything that the Lord wants me to do. And that means I had to hold on to that. Mm. 
And so in that 1989, 1988, when I started trying to say, now I'm about to leave university and I know that I'm a British citizen, I'm going into the world. Lord, I'm going to need some guidance. And therefore, I'm going to need to know you a bit more because I know that intrinsically everything that I need is in you. So the faith, as in FAITH, plays a big role in even then making sure that this destiny that has been ordained because of the skill sets that you have been gifted with, but you can miss it. Yeah. And, uh, and where that works for me was that faith, that religious faith, not a righteous, not a one of self-righteousness, mm-hmm. but that religious faith, and fasting plays a great role, therefore, in that. And I remember in 1988, I spent a whole month fasting. And if you ask me what's one of the tools that I've used all of my adult life, um, is fasting. Fasting, not to be righteous. But just understanding that I have to take spiritual control of my life and I have to take spiritual control of my space. So wherever I am, there has to be spiritual dominion. I have to. I am not going to leave it to chance. So I I go on cycles of 30-day fast frequently, even now. Because it's, it's just the one secret of you have to understand that your body is your enemy. Uh. Your body is your enemy. And your mind is in partnership with your enemy. And so when people then understand, they say, but I want to do something, but I can't do it. Yoruba folklore says, that is what something yeah. that is good always have a way of not wanting you to do it. But again, with spiritual force, you can because... The kingdom of God, your life is about extending God's kingdom. And the kingdom of God is always suffering violence and the violent have to take take it by by force. force. So there is a strong spiritual aspect that underpins that. But then let me go back to the first part of your question. question. My question about roots. Roots. You know, God doesn't make a mistake. He's always looking out He's got loads of children in his courts. We know that because that's how Christ came. And so he's then making a decision on, on every child on where you're going to go with what the skills that he's equipped you with. So when he then says you've got to be born to a parent who are, if other people are going to be there, he didn't make a mistake. He knew that. Yeah. And when he has rooted you somewhere, God has a sense of humor because he's going to make sure that everything you do is going to revolve around that. Even if you go and go and, and go on many, many journeys and run away, you're going to still come back to those roots. Even Christ came back to those roots. Even after he'd gone and sojourned, he still came back to Galilee, even though he was not meant to come at the time he came, but at least he did go back. And that's where I say about where faith is practical, not yeah. Spiritual. Yeah. And so there is a great deal because it's from your roots. It's knowing your roots. Because life's where you're always going to be asked questions. You're going to ask questions of yourself and society is going to ask questions of you. And so in those questions, you need, and life is tough. By God, life is tough. You know, life is, you know, don't let anybody kid you. Life is not easy. Life yeah. is tough. And therefore, you need to have a way of being able to ground yourself to ground yourself and so being connected to oh. your roots is deeply essential um and i used to remember when i used to come from england to visit nigeria in those days and then you arrive at muritara mohammed airport and you get out and then something your skin your, something in your body then begins to feel alive you know yeah. you, you you've been traveling recently so you don't something in you just comes and your your whole being comes alive uh. So that's because, and it's the same whether, you, you know, your Prince Harry that's left to go to the U.S. and to, you know, to feel safe. You still come back and you still it's feel different. it's different because that's where you're rooted. And then you look into the old journey of, 
you know, slavery and and even 200 years abolition of slavery that's occurred in 2007 and 15 years now uh, since it's been abolished. But even that slavery and those that have depicted it have, um, you know, used that mm. whole book of yeah. roots. So your roots are deeply essential because everything comes from somewhere mm. and everything in life is organic and so yeah yeah um like you said i mean you were saying how life is tough and i think that for a lot of people when at one point or the other you experience that reality that life is indeed tough how would you say that you overcome those tough times um how have you built like resilience over the years and what are the things that you do practically you talked about fasting you know but what are the things that get you through those tough times it's how you equip yourself is how you equip yourself but you have to equip yourself with one thing and that's faith and as big as that bible is there are just a few things that speaks to me he says i am with you always mm. you need one of the things that has helped me throughout my entire journey Life was tough in Ibadan in 1971, 72, 73. You know, going through from Malete to Challenge where we lived, seeing this Alakpa Shakma masquerade, you know, on the road. I didn't even know that I was a six-year-old. I didn't know. I felt I was a man. And I had to hide in the edges of St. Anne's on the right-hand side and waited for them to pass on. So at different points, you know, and in those days in, in St. Luke's, I, I, you know, I was given a penny. You won't know it, but it was that little thing with a hole in the middle. One cup, one penny. And, and I had to, I saw my other mates who were able to buy the world's ice cream caught with uh, a scissors, a blade. And sometimes, most times I can't afford it. And occasionally I can. But if I afford, if I could afford, when I could afford it, I had to walk. From Malete to challenge. So, at all stages of life, even then in primary school, even then going on to secondary school uh, and, and facing all the different things where I, I had guys, I had friends who, who I could see were going in the wrong direction. And, and you know, we gambled. We were gamblers. We, we gambled. I lost the senior's money, Senior Chukudi's money, you know, in Form 3, 20 Naira. And I had to pay it. But for four, three, four days, I was running around in school, you know, to say, hey, you know, I can't be caught. If I'm caught, I'm dead. And so, as a child, you face it. You go on to second, you go on to university, you face it. You face it. You, you go to England. I arrived in England. I know I had my passport and my ticket, my Nigerian Airways flight had already gotten me there. I had nowhere to leave. I called Someone, they said, don't call me again. I'm thinking, wow, okay, that's fine. I'm here stuck by myself. So you go through those things. Then I, I, then I arrived in England and I made a promise to my to-be wife at the time that I was going to wait. That means three years of waiting in a cold country where you had summer and spring and that was tough. But what was constant was that knowing that voice that says, I am with you. And then comes to this old big root of what's the next thing after that information that says, mm. I am with you. And the next information that really is then the core of my life is fear not. Mm. You know, that constant message of saying, fear not, fear not, fear not. Uh, and, and, and that old thing is what I take into all aspects of my life. And, and everything else that I can tell you that has flown from knowing that God is with me, you know, committing myself to a period of, you know, deep spiritual strength of fasting. But it's that information that don't be afraid. And so I've seen that whole thing work. It has worked. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I think... What I, what I, a lot of things I'm hearing from you, but one of the things is for everybody, you have to have the words that you hold on to. Absolutely. Right? That kind of reminds you of who you are and, yeah. and what the future will hold. 
And I have seen, I mean, firsthand, I remember that there was a time when you've shown me things that you wrote down 20 years ago, yeah. 30 years ago that, yeah. you know, are manifesting. Uh, yeah. And it always amazes me, right? And of course, like, that's how I started to build my own habit of journaling and writing mm -hmm. out things. Right. And I have also seen that sometimes, you know, I go back and I'm like, I, I had this desire, I don't know, mm -hmm. whether it's manifestation or mm -hmm. faith or whatever it is that you want to call it, but just having that thought, putting it down, you know, believing that it will happen and having the courage to go after it, and mm -hmm. then you just see things, yeah. things happen. Uh, yeah, I, look, I, I've told this story, these things to people as I've been free to do so. Um, you know, and we won't be able to share all those things yeah. today, but as I've been free to do so, and I, and I told these pe people this story to say, look, you, you, you need to have a dream. You, you, you must dream. You need to give God something to work with. And if I, if I met a five, six, seven, eight-year-old today, that's what I tell them. You must have an idea. Just dream. It's not for you to make it happen, mm. but just dream. And, um, and, you know, where I live right now in my home in Ibadan, I saw the entire template of that old thing 30 years back. Uh, yeah. and, and I didn't even know, you know, but I've seen every part of it happen. And, and what it does when you dream is you then are much more conscious that there is a superior being who is still in charge of the affairs of men. And going through life, with that knowledge that there is someone that is actually intimately interested in your life and as a superior being and that's God walking through Christ and by his spirit, then you then understand that you are not alone. Mm. And whatever situations you face, you then are able to go to go through through it. Yeah, but how do you come to that place of that conviction? I think that's what a lot of people struggle with, right? I, for a lot of us and I have had to walk my own journey to, mm -hmm. to have my own conviction. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, what you know is what you were born into, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And for some people, that's not a lot to work with. Mm. And of course, you need to do the work to be grounded for yourself and understand like your own spiritual. Mm. But I don't know, how do you say that you get, you've gotten to the point where you have that conviction, you have that knowing? Um, how do people get there? I, Good question. <laughs> um, look, uh, life is a journey of faith. And, you know, some of those apostles have said, you know, I have fought the good fight of faith. Um, and so the entire life journey is actually building experiences step after step. If you knew one day, like I knew that, Oh, my parents gave birth to me in England. I was a British citizen. But my parents are not going to buy me a tick, my passport. They're not going to give me my passport. They're not. You know, because they don't. They don't. They're just not. So you, you then say, how am I going to get it? And then you, you, you first, you find your birth certificate because they, you went to the British Embassy and they say, you need your birth certificate and you need something to show that you came into this country and I can't ask anyone. So I, I, I then go, and they say I need my long birth certificate, not my short one. But thank God, my parents kept both. They didn't know they kept it, but at least I knew. Uh. I had to go search, you know, like proper go search different parts of the house. And I stumbled on not just my birth certificate, but I also stumbled on my vaccination card that my parents used. I then stumbled on my parents' passports that they used, which had my name. My dad's passport had my name in it. So I took those two, three things, which was all I needed at that time to apply for my passport. But then I needed money, and my parents didn't have it. And I wasn't even going to let them know that I am pursuing this track. So you build your life, and you then miraculously gain and do everything and then you have that 21 naira that you need to pay. And then you do that. And then, oh, you need a whole wide range of faith in 1988 to be, my, you know, my parents were on 1,000 naira salary in 1985. Then, you know, the government happened and then the naira went from one 
to be in a free market and he went from one to three naira forced to dodge and therefore his salary effectively went from 1000 naira to 300 naira and then by the time he got to 1989 or 1988 it was 10 to 1 so his salary had gone from an effective 1000 naira not increasing to 100 naira effective um and so tickets at that time was one way ticket to london Nigerian Airways for a student rate was about 1,200. Where am I going to get that from? Nowhere. So you then build your next step of faith, which is then walking and then understanding. And then somehow some guy meets you on the road and says, Oh, I didn't know you had a British passport. But here I have 100 pounds. I might as well just quickly go buy you a ticket. And then you buy your ticket and you laugh. Because you know that that's not you. That was just a divine instance that occurred. So you build your next layer of faith. So you build it, step out, and then you arrive in London and you're going to London. You know you don't have a residence where you're going. But you meet a guy by your side. You know that that guy somehow divinely is going to be connected to the first place you're going to step into. And then it happens and you tick that box. And then you tick your boxes every time and you grow your your confidence in that faith and then you see situations and situation after situation and then situation after situation and then you build your faith and then you stand in front of a Goliath because you've killed a bear and you've killed uh. a lion and you said I have other big issues to still face so you this guy you're the least of my problem you know David's experience didn't end with bringing down Goliath he had to fight bigger things after Goliath uh. And so you, you, once you do that, you just keep on building it and keep on building it and keep on building it. And that brings me to one important message for your generation. Time. Yeah, I was going to go to time. <laughs> time. Yeah. Time. We, your generation and, and even my current generation, of, um, we've kind of reached the evening time of our lives so we've gotten the results of whatever it is that we're doing with our, our time and we've done with our time but we need to understand that you need to lengthen your duration the worst thing that you can do for yourself is to use your time to solve today's problems you are already in today's problems and so I always encourage what I found for me is I've said, you know what, whatever I'm facing today is fine. I can't actually change it. Mm. I'm just going to use 20% of whatever time, no one's resources, everything that I have to deal with today's issues. But I'm going to invest 80% of my time to the future that I want. And then I'm going to make sure that and that's what I've done to then say, you know, when I got into England in 1989, I was already planning for my exit. I just arrived. I knew that I was not going to. So in that 1989, when then my friend said, oh, you've been made, given a supervisory role at Citibank. You know, what's this thing about actuarial science? I just told my guy, I said, I didn't come to this country to become an, a banker. I came to be an actuary. And then off I went to a place called Kendall where there were no black people. Singular, like yeah. I referred to at the beginning. So time, you must have a long-term vision, irrespective of where you are, irrespective of your present circumstance. Your present circumstance is where you have arrived. That's fine. Uh. But the motivation, once you are no longer a slave to your present, because what people do is they think, I'm hungry now and I have to feed myself. That's your body, your stomach communicating with your brain. That's got nothing to do with your destination. So you have to be able to cast down that imagination that is saying you need to feed yourself now to say, no, I need to invest in my future. I need to take this day that I have and I need to take 80% of it, which means fasting, for example, for the desired future that I want, because I can't actually do something about my present, but I can create a picture for the future that I want. You just need to dream. And in dreaming and in, in elongating your timeline, then you can face current situations. Mm -hmm. I've lived in a place where there is nothing. 
Even in recent years, there's no water. In Lagos, in recent years, in 2019, no water, no electricity, no generation, nothing, just dark room. And I stayed there for 30 days with noise and everything. And then within, just on the 31st day, I found myself in Eco Signature Hotel. I didn't change. The situation changed, but I didn't. I was still the same happy person I was in that place as I was in that hotel. It doesn't define me. So you always, I always have found a grace to say that I am always looking at where I'm going. So when we come to where we are at today in Azuri Towers, in the Co-Atlantic, that's what I brought to the table. To say, when I joined, I don't care where the organization was at that time. I just have What's a clear picture of yeah. exactly where it is that I need to go with this organization. And that's where we're getting to. And then now that we're here, I'm spending my time not on solving today's problems, but in saying, where is it else? Where, where do I go from here? Uh. And then, obviously, there's something important to inject into all of that essence of time and dreaming. To also understand that you can't just exist by what you know. And what you know isn't actually going to help you to get to where you need to go. And you therefore need to understand that that famous line that's wisdom that says, don't lean on your own understanding, understanding. but, you know, trust God and then it will direct your path. So there is still, when all of this is said and done, when you dream it's it's all not just about what it is that i've done i've mm. just followed a line i've just been gifted and blessed enough to have been put on a path line of faith on a path line where i've had people that have been instrumental to my future i've met wonderful people along my line uh you know professor Alau, pastor i believe it was very important to my youth. Um, a friend, Gabi Masood, has been very important to my time in the modern recent times. Um, so uh, my friend Shegun Shokon was important to me, you know, in that, in that moment in 1989. So you, you, you meet people, um, you know, instrumental along the way. Um, it was just single act, single act, yeah, single act. Um, you know, define um, and realign you. Uh, you know, a guy called Peter Elson, uh, who was at Citibank, who wrote my first CV uh, and helped me apply to all those organizations. So you, you, you meet people along the way. Mm. But it's not then those people who help you, but then the people that you meet along the way who walk with you. I, I have incredible staff around me, and they've all worked with me in different parts uh, at different times. And that's been my story also from when I've been an employer from 1997. So it's not just those people, but those who then God gives to you as helpers. Mm. Because whatever it is that you want to achieve, you need an helper. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, well, you said so much. Mm. I mean, from the importance of people and relationships, which I genuinely also believe, mm. um, you know, to also the awareness of being able to connect the dots, right? Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people, things happen, you know, mm. you, you get the next victory, mm. but you don't take a moment to see how the lines connect. And mm. just being able to look back and connect the dots, you know that even if I'm in a fix in future, I can understand what I have gone through in the past and how I've gotten here mm. and have that faith and that confidence that, mm -hmm. you know, things are going to work out. And just having faith, mm -hmm. right, which I think is, is really tremendous. Mm. Um, it, are there any other thoughts that you want to share that you think... It's really important for people to know. I, I think one of the important thoughts that, you know, people can go develop themselves is basically also what you listen to. Um, you are a product of your surroundings and you are a product of what you listen to. And I think people don't guard their heart enough. I think people like to be in the crowd and I, I will not prescribe the crowd for anyone. I won't prescribe popular culture for anyone. Um, the, the good book, which I re refer on, says, you know, actually, uh, when you look at where you see a crowd going in a particular direction, know that it actually leads to destruction. There's actually nothing good that comes from it. Nothing good at all. And I believe the good book. And I've seen it. 
and at the path actually to life is narrow no. it's just a few people and so if you if you're listening to this conversation it's like i i want to be i want to be better than myself and i want to achieve something if you're thinking like that then you need to know that it's going to be a, a lonely road it's going to be singular and you just need not to feel uncomfortable by being alone because that's actually what happens to a lot of us that are in this space and therefore you need to guard your heart and guard what you listen to um and tough love is what you do you know you can love people from afar but they don't have to be in your space um because when you're successful in in a beat they will still come back but if you're not successful they're the people that will point at you and, and talk about you but when you're successful you can help them but do so from a distance and i always like to tell people let the dead bury the dead if you see people that are not going anywhere walk far away from them um in particular if you're going somewhere and that's why i like flying yeah uh, you know i like being at the airports and people don't understand why they all smile to each other at the airport because you're all going somewhere uh and so when you're going somewhere you're always happy because you feel you're making progress and you know uh and i always also want to share with people in that old guise of just guard your heart uh, don't carry garbage don't carry people's offense don't don't carry it um because it's just a dead weight you don't need mm. because if you want to fly high and eagles the last i checked fly as high as anything a natural being that flies very high um if you watch the eagle it carries no load and, and i always therefore say to people shed weight uh. if you're traveling don't carry load <laughs> you always travel with the handle uh, yeah so you know because whatever it is that you're manifesting is also going to influence your life um so shed load don't carry load and also keep moving uh. just yeah. keep moving um don't be satisfied with staying in a place or staying in an achievement uh keep moving mm. just keep moving because life is tough what's demanded of you is is just is hard enough and you have to be successful you have to get it done and just keep moving and mm. don't get stuck um but if somebody asks me but what is just this one thing one thing one thing that okay i've heard you and i i just want only one thing only one thing then i just say to them fear not mm. whatever you have to do through life fear not and fight fear fight fear would come sown from your family by friends they simply think they mean well but they don't mm. uh just don't be afraid and just get it done if you want to think you want to be the president of the federal republic of nigeria you want to be the governor you want to own an organization you want to own a city you want to build a city mm, like uh, you're doing um just um <laughs> you know don't let anybody you know stop you yeah uh, if you can if you have a heart big enough to dream it uh you'll get everything that you need to achieve it if you do not fear absolutely <laughs> no i think i think that's that's like my own takeaway yeah um fear not fear not because I, i mean i read a lot about how a lot of times every decision that you take is either from a place of fear or, or a place of faith or, or a place of faith yeah. so even when things seem uncomfortable and scary i yeah. just always like Yeah. Place of yeah. Place and of and don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, someone says you know, don't be afraid to fail. I mean, I, uh, there's nothing you can be that somebody hasn't been before. There's no amount of wealth you can achieve that somebody hasn't achieved before or couldn't achieve more. There's nothing. So just stay in your lane and just um, act from a place uh, of faith. From a place of <laughs> faith and if you you know, if you have a decision to make, ask yourself what's driving it uh. am i making this decision because i'm afraid or am i making this decision because i believe uh. um and once be honest with yourself uh, and that is my life motto keep it simple keep it simple and keep it honest so many so many tremendous lessons you know from this conversation yeah. um thank you so much for, ah, for sitting with him yeah. i have three just one line questions right. that i wanted to ask you right. call them my signature questions right um so what's the one thing you wish you knew earlier in life What's the so one thing tell your 18 year old uh, that I wish I could tell my 18 year old self. without being arrogant 
nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> um, what would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, best piece of advice I've ever received comes to my mind. No matter who you are, all our, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, don't let anybody change you. You are who you are for a reason. Mm, that's deep. Yeah. That's deep. <laughs> yeah. And my last question, if yeah. you could create one rule for everyone to follow, what would it be? If I could create one rule for everyone to follow, what would it be? Oh, that's tough. I've never really figured that, but if I if I sit in here now, if, if what is one thing that people should follow? Uh, fear not. Fear not. Yeah, that's the theme of this conversation. <laughs> fear not. I mean, I definitely see how you've lived from a place of faith. Um, mm. is is one of the things that I admire a lot about you, you, and I aspire to be able to do. You do greater things. I know that for a fact. <laughs> yeah. Just from a quest to learn uh, an application. Uh, you do great things. So you, you are one of those who, uh, you know, you could just see your own journey of life and then see what maybe it has influenced or touched in some way. And uh, yeah, yours fills me with a great deal of hope and, oh. and satisfaction. So Thank you so much. Right. Thank you so much for your time. I really, All really right. appreciate it. Okay. Thank and you. it's one hour on the dots. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be up to one hour. Right. It was really good. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it on today's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And a big thank you to my guests for joining me and sharing their story. Join me again next time for another amazing episode. Until then, keep living your best life.